Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. So we're finishing up our Philippians series today, and we are going to talk about probably Paul's most famously quoted verse. It's like his bumper sticker verse. It's, it's like everybody's favorite, but here's the problem. Bumper stickers don't usually um, tell us cultural context and all of uh, everything that's going on that feed into a verse. So I know most of you have probably heard this, Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I'm going to quote it two different ways because I normally preach out of the New Living Translation, but I memorized it in the NIV. So if it goes back and forth, know that I'm not misquoting it. I'm just quoting it from my memory rather than what's written on the page. And so if we get confused there, I'm sorry. It's just going to probably happen. But yeah, there it is. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's the Superman verse. I can do everything. And then the sarcastic ones of us go, fly. It's this Superman verse. It's, it's this verse that's saying, I can do everything. And when we, when we read it like that, we might struggle to really understand what it's saying. We, we take this verse blatantly out of context all the time. Blatantly out of context. And context is important because I've noticed that in the church, sometimes we skip over things and then we just arrive at the promise. And we love the promise. The promise is good. The promise is great. The promise is fantastic. But we generally don't like the hard work or hardship that precedes the promise. And so we pray, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, but we don't know what Paul is actually saying, or we don't care that Paul is in prison waiting to find out if he's going to live or die by the hand of the Roman government. He doesn't know. And when he says that statement, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, it means something specifically. And it really doesn't sound like the statement of a man who is sitting in prison, does it? And so I thought we'd just talk about context for a couple minutes. Context is important when we're reading the scriptures. We, we can't be people that are, are, are going into the Bible, we read one verse, we pull it out, and then we're like, this is magically applied to my life with no cultural context or, or genre or written history or anything applied to it. It's just, this is what it is. Some verses work that way. I want to point out, like, do not murder works that way. You don't have to, like, have any cultural context to understand do not murder. Like, that one's fine. That one works. But not all all scriptures work like that. And we've, we've sometimes twisted scripture by, by pulling stuff out and missing the point. So I have what works best for learning a new concept, a game. All right? I need one movie, movie buff to, to, to volunteer for the game. Now, I want to point out, uh, these are not Christian movies. So if you only watch Christian movies, you will not go, do good at this game. Anybody? Got any, any takers? Are, are, uh, Caleb, you scratched your eye right at the wrong time. Okay, uh, Cam will do it. Cam will, Cam will come up and help me out. Um, you guys don't know this, but I... 
Cam always volunteers before service, and he's like, all right, if nobody volunteers, if I notice nobody volunteering, I'll, I'll do it for you, Josh. We're good. So, Cam, you are coming in clutch. Coming in clutch. All right. Do we got, we got Cameron's mic's on, mic unmuted? <laughs> we do. Okay. So, Cam, here's the point of the game. I'm going to show you one clip. It's going to be one line from a movie. I need you to tell me the entire plot of the movie. Okay? All right. First clip. Don't cry, shop girl. Don't cry. I wanted it to be you. Um, it is kind of hard to hear yeah, from up here. <laughs> so uh, it says, don't cry, shop girl. And then she replies, I wanted it to be you. Okay? What's the plot of the movie? And I need specifics here, Cam. Okay, I don't want general. I'm go with it's Just a, it's a romance movie. Okay, that's that's solid. Okay, and, good start. Uh, something happens in the plot. Well, I need details. You okay, can I need a detailed uh, list, Cam. Something bad happened, and then it's like it's okay. I don't know what he said or something. Okay, so Cam clearly doesn't know what this movie is. It's You Got Mail. It came out in 1998. It's directed by Nora Ephron. It's written by Nora Ephron and her sister, uh, Delia? It's D-E-I-L-A. I, just say yes. Um, Delia? I, I don't know which one it is. Okay. Um, the, the premise of the movie is, is Tom Hanks owns a big, like, Barnes & Noble type store. She owns the shop around the corner, which is a little bookstore. And they start, they become anonymous email pen pals, and they hate each other. And then at the end of the movie, it's, re, it's in this moment, they decide to meet up, and they meet up, and they realize that the people they hate are actually the people that they love. And so that's how the movie ends. She says, I wanted it to be you, because she was really, really hoping that the person she thought she hated had kind of shifted in her life, and she wanted it to be. Okay, so let's do another one. Let's do another one. Um, Cole, let's get that second clip. If you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is. That's a straw, you see. Watch it. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! All right, what movie is that? Uh, or what's the plot of the movie? What's the plot of the movie, Cam? Something about milkshakes. <laughs> okay, something about milkshakes. All right, I'm, tell me about these milkshakes that we're, we've got in this movie. Uh, Come to a conclusion about the milkshakes. Okay, well, <laughs> that is actually true. So. No, psycho <laughs> No, they are Psycho. It's not the movie Psycho. Oh, yeah, it's not the movie Psycho. That's a different movie. It's in black and white. Um, uh, some kind of, let's go with a, a thrill, thriller plot, talking about milkshakes. That's probably okay. Okay. So this movie is There Will Be Blood. It came out in 2008. It was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and written by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it was... Daniel Day-Lewis's second Oscar win for Best Leading Actor. It's about an oil baron and a religious priest 
who both use their areas and they're greedy and selfish and it's two villains against each other. And that's the two villains at the end. The milkshake thing is basically he's saying that um, I, I built a well, an oil well, and because the well is connected to your land and my land, I drank your well dry. And that's why he was saying I drink your milkshake, I drink it up. Okay? All right, third one. This, is, this, this one I think you'll know. What's the plot of the movie? Secret Life of Walter yeah, Secret Life of oh, Walter Mitty, that's correct. Okay. What's the plot of the movie? Um, well, it makes it look like... Not what, not what the clip looks like. What is the plot of the movie? Oh, yeah. So if you know the plot of the movie, you can go ahead and tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cam didn't know, knew the movie, so that's good. That's good. Uh, that's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. If you've never seen it, you probably should. It came out in 2013, and it was directed by Ben Stiller. And it's interesting, I picked a clip that is a daydream. This is a daydream in the movie, because I wanted, if somebody didn't know the context of the movie, they would have thought it was an action movie. He's literally just daydreaming about punching his boss in the face. Like, that's all that scene is. So thank you. Can we give it up for Cam? Good job, Cam. So notice that when, we, when Cam knew or had seen the movie, he knew what the context and the plot was of the movie. When he had never seen the movie, he took the clip and was like, man, that, that milkshake clip. There are literally zero milkshakes in that movie. There's none. There's a ton of oil. The first one, uh, it's, it's, a, it's like, you got mail. Like, I don't, some of you might not be old enough to understand that phrase, that you've got mail. Um, but it's, it's email. It's about emailing back and forth. And, but sometimes we do this with the Bible. We take things out of context. But I, it's interesting that we would never do that with our entertainment. We would never read one chapter of a, in the middle of a book and be like, all right, I know what's going on. We would never w- walk into a movie 45 minutes late, watch 10 minutes of the movie, and then walk out and be like, all right, I got it. Like, we'd never do that. But we do it with the Bible all the time. We flip to, a, to a, a chapter and a verse and we say, oh, look, it says this wonderful thing. But it doesn't actually apply the way that we think it does because we don't know the cultural context around it. So as we read the scriptures, we want in context scripture so that we can apply it accurately to our lives. We can take the principle it's trying to tell us and put it into our lives. 
It's important to know, or it's important to read the whole book to know who wrote it, who they were writing to, and what the genre was. All those things are important as we read through the scriptures so that we can truly understand what it's saying. If you're reading a poetic book, understand that there's going to be metaphors and not everything should be taken literally. If we're reading a historic book, Make sure that you understand that probably most of it, if not all of it, is going to be literal, so read it as such. Those things are important as we're reading the scriptures. So with all that in mind, I want to read to you the verses around that famous verse, Philippians 4.13. We're going to start in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way to 14, and, and, and let this sink in. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you, don't have, you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Doesn't that change from a Superman verse to a verse about contentment real fast when we read around it? When we read in to, to that verse and we, we remember that Paul's writing from prison, he's waiting to find out whether he's going to live or die. He's, he's encouraging this Philippian church who seems to do everything right and, and continues to do things to encourage him and to help him. And they've sent aid to him. But I think it's, it's so important that we know verses 11 and 12 as well as 13. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. That's so important to how we understand this scripture. And so I want to talk about contentment for a little bit. I want to talk about what it means to be content. I'm going to start off by uh, talking about when Hannah and I had moved uh, back from college. We went to college at Southeastern in Florida, and we moved back to Kansas, and we were finishing our last year online. And as we went through that kind of time, we were working odd jobs and things, you know, as you do in college to, to pay for things. And Hannah had just finished up her, her bachelor's degree, and she, and she started a job at Olive Garden. And I don't, how, how many have been servers in your life? Oh, Waitstaff? Servers? Waitstaff? All right, so you guys are going to connect. Everybody else, you're going to have to use your imagination. So I don't know if you know this, but being a server is not an easy job. Um, people are not generally all that content with you as their server, people, people can be a little bit mean, they can be a little rough, and, and I don't want to say that Hannah hated this job, but there's definitely days she hated this job, right? And so she's working there, and she's working there, and she's, she's waiting tables, and people can be ungrateful. They can, they can think that because you forgot to bring a refill, it makes sense in their brain to slice your tip in half or to get rid of it altogether when they're working on a wage of two thirteen an hour. Just, just so you guys know, servers work on two thirteen an hour, tip well, it's a very good witness that you actually love Jesus when we love people, okay? Just, just tip. That's good. That's just a life lesson. Just tip. Just do that. But 
You're working in that scenario, and I would imagine that somebody who has went through college in three and a half years, yes, Hannah is always ahead of schedule, went through college in three and a half years and has a degree in theology, probably her ideal workspace is not Olive Garden. I'm just going to take a swing at that and just say, it's probably not Olive Garden. Well, one day Hannah came to me and she had said, if this is where God has me right now, I'm just going to do the best I can in this job and be the best employee I can be in this job. And, and so she started to lean into where God had her. She started to really lean into it and say, I'm going to be the best Olive Garden employee I can be. She, she started on manager training. She started doing all these things. And the funny thing was, she, she told me after she kind of made this shift in her mind, I am more content now than I've ever been. The job has not changed, but I have changed and become more content with where I'm at. And almost miraculously, when that shift happened in her mind, our old youth pastor felt God calling him back to Indiana, back to where he was from and wanted to to start some ministry there. And so he moved. And so the second that Hannah was content in her moment, God opened up a position for Hannah to actually fill that she was trained for. And did I mention that she had been volunteering in that youth group? She was in the place that God actually wanted her to be, serving faithfully without a title or position. Those of you who own businesses or manage people, how great would it be if you had the replacement for your star employee that just left who was already qualified and was already doing a great job? How great would that be? You always had a backup, just ready there waiting. But I think in a lot of our lives, we want the position or the promotion or the salary, but we are not content with where we've started, with where God has us now. And when we learn to trust God with where we are, I think he begins to open up opportunities to where he wants us to go. Because he needs us to know that he is the source of everything. When it comes to giving, I've seen this both ways. So giving in the church, I've seen it both go both ways. So I've seen people who do not have enough money in their budget to give, and they give. And they give sacrificially, and, and they do it because they know this is what God has commanded me. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to stretch me, and it's going to pull me, but I'm going to make this happen because it's important. And then I've seen the other side, people who have... Um, a lot of financial provision in their lives, tons of money, and they can't open up their hand to give it to God because that's how they feel safe. It's when I have this money in, in my bank account, I feel safe. And they, and they have these moments where they, they trust in their money alone, and the problem with trusting in your money alone is that you will always need more to feel safe. You will always need more money, more things to feel secure in your life. And it's, you're never going to arrive there. It's impossible to get there. You know, when, when Jesus is talking about worry and then money and possessions, he said this in Matthew. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. 
They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And then the writer of Hebrews in, in chapter 13 is saying his, 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 closing, his closing few things, and he offers this bit of wisdom. He says this, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. So what does contentment look like in your life? Are you wanting something you don't have? It's not, it's not wrong to, to desire things. It's, it, I mean, it's not, but you have to know that God is your source first. You have to know that God is what provides things for you. You've got to know that God is who, who allows for opportunities to come. There are times in life, you know, like I went to school. I wanted a bachelor's degree. It wasn't bad that I wanted a bachelor's degree. But I have to understand that all wisdom and knowledge does not come from a sheet of paper or from professors. It comes from God. And so I have a bachelor's degree. It's awesome. I love having it. It's how I got jobs after college. It was great. But we need to be content with where we are, knowing that God is our source, is God is, is who sustains us. Are you content with little? And equally as important, are you content with abundance? Greed, I think, comes in different ways. And abundance tends to seem to be my, where I see it most frequently, where greed happens. When we have much and we want more, 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 more is not contentment. It's the absence of contentment. And so as the band comes up and we're, and we're about to close, put your satisfaction your value, your income, your position, your source, have it be God. If we put our trust in things, in money or positions or influence or power, we're trusting something other than God. We're making God of something else. And it won't work. And so when we're truly content, when we're truly in this place where we love God and we, we understand that he is actually the one that takes care of us, he's the one that provides for us in any moment, when we, when we really, really, really do understand that, when we get that, we are able to actually say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When we're content with little, we can then say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When we're content with much, we're able to say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When we have an empty stomach and we're content, we can say, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And when we're sitting at a party with a full stomach, with, with all that we could ever need, 
when we know that Christ is the one that provides, we can say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Let's pray today. God, I pray this morning I want to do all that you've called me to do. God, let me be centered on who you are. Centered on where I am. I don't want to constantly be looking for the next thing or the next something. I don't want to live in the future. I want to live in these moments where I, I can be content with what you've given me. I want to live in, in this second, in this time. God, I pray that I get to a place that when Paul in prison waiting to find out whether he lives or dies, says, I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. God, I want to be in that place where I can truly say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want to live that verse. I want to live it out, God. It's a powerful statement that you empower us to, to do what you've called us to do in the circumstances you've called us to be in. God, I pray that our lives would be an example of Philippians 4, 12, 11, 12, and 13. Little and much full stomach or empty, I can do it all because you give me the strength to do it. If anybody's here that hasn't had, hasn't made that commitment to be all in with Jesus, hasn't made that commitment to say, I want to trust you with every single moment. Today's your day. Today's your day. Come talk to either Hannah or pray with Hannah and I or with Ed. We'd love to pray with you. God, I pray as, as we sing out this next song, would you bring contentment into our lives? Would we start aligning our life towards contentment? When we become content, we learn what we really don't need. And that we do need you. God, thank you for your example and for your written word. In your name we pray, amen.